Hi, I'm Nuri. Uh, and I am Common Rider Furry, but I usually just go by KRF. So yeah, like I, like I mentioned earlier on Twitter, I said um, that I have found some co-hosts to help me out because I feel like uh, having a, a three-person group would be beneficial. And you know, they, these guys stepped up and I really do appreciate them, these, 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 these beautiful people for stopping by and helping me out. So let's, uh, so without further ado, let's have a little introduction. Let's talk a little bit about who you guys are and what you guys, what you guys are up to and like how you guys got to understand everything. Um, well, uh, okay. I've been into St. Seiya for, like, in the fandom as a adult, I guess, for about 10 years, I suppose. I got into it when I was younger, when it was first kind of premiering on Cartoon Network in the U.S. when I was probably in middle school. And I watched it, enjoyed it, and then it disappeared because that was the original uh oceans dub i believe and it just was not very popular so it got canceled quickly and then i got into it again as an you know in college oh my gosh showing how old i am <laughs> but yeah i've been into the fandom uh since probably about 2011 2010ish to be generous and just been enjoying it since then. I am a person who I'll be. I'll admit it. I do cosplay and I do fan fiction and I do a little bit of fan art and that's kind of what I do in the fandom. Um, I I was actually talking with Ramses about this a few days ago. Well, actually a couple weeks ago now. Um, but I don't really remember exactly how I learned that Saint C existed. If I had to. Like, because I, I just kind of always known it since I started getting into anime, um, mostly because I liked Power Rangers, which I, of course, learned was Super Sentai. And I liked that team dynamic. And then it kind of shifted into Sailor Moon once Sailor Moon started being on television in the U.S. And um, I would go on eBay with our computer's crummy little dial-up internet, and I would see, like, animation cells, um uh, doujinshi, stuff like that, of these cool-looking guys in armor, and so I would start to research it, and I would go on, like, not to date myself, but, like, Angel Fire and Geocities, uh, fan websites <laughs> to find out more information. Um, and so, days. yeah, the olden days, way back in the day, when you had to, you know, piece together. When you had web, web rings. Yes. And, um, so that, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I was so confused because at the time it didn't make sense to me because this was an older anime. And I, I just assumed that it had been dubbed into English because it looked cool. It looked very similar to things that I've been seeing on TV like Ronin Warriors and Yu Yu Hakusho. I was going to say, I, I remember mistaking Ronin Warriors for Saint Seiya at a point because they were so similar. They're very similar, especially in style and uh, the, the whole team dynamic. So I just assumed that it had a dub and maybe it just wasn't on TV 
and maybe it just got released direct to VHS or DVD or whatever. And so I would search around the internet forever and I could never find it. And at the time I was like, I was pretty young. And so I didn't really care for subtitles. I wanted it to be in English. So it took me a long time to actually watch it. Um, probably around the same time that Nuri was talking about when um, it started appearing on Cartoon Network is when I actually got to watch it. And uh, I remember I pre-ordered the DVDs. I got that when ADV used to do that one concept where you buy volume one and then get the box to house the rest of the volumes that they never released because it just got canceled super early. Um, but I, I was super hype about it. Um, I kind of float between fandoms all the time. Um, so I'm not like, I, I, I don't draw very well <laughs> and uh, things like that. But I do post a lot on Twitter. I do interact with as many people as possible um, because it's so prevalent in like, um, Spanish-speaking areas. I have a lot of Spanish-speaking mutuals and friends and things like that. So that was been that's been a pretty interesting um, way of going about it because there's just not a ton of English speakers that are as intense in their love of shonen anime and and uh, old school anime as I am. Uh, so yeah, it was it's that's kind of where I sit in the fandom and how I got into it. Yeah, most of my friends who are in the fandom, other than literally, I think one or two people who are in the U.S. are either from other Latin American countries or, you know, I, I, there's one person who is from France that is a friend of mine. And so, yeah, it's mostly <laughs> a, a Spanish or, you know, Latin-speaking community or Brazilian. Or, you know, there's also quite a bit. I, I also interact with a, quite a few of Japanese mutuals on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that's kind of what Ramses has been trying to do over the past like year or so is just make people aware that it exists because there's so many people out there that would love it, but just probably don't even know it exists or don't, maybe they saw the Netflix show and it didn't connect the dots that there is, it was adapted, you know, from this amazing work of like 114 episodes back in the 80s. And it's so funny because the Netflix show, believe me, it's not good, but it's bad good. It's bad good because I, I watched it. I watched it going in knowing it would not be good, but I very much enjoyed my ride just because it was hilarious because they did the thing that a lot of anime used to do back in the day. They don't do it as much anymore, but I remember growing up whenever something was dubbed, they always changed the names to be something more Western. Like the original Sailor Moon dub, it was Serena and, you know, Lita and et cetera rather than their, you know, Usagi and Monaco, etc. But then, so with the Knights of the Zodiac, they were like, Hyoga is Magnus, of all names, and then Iki is Nero, and of course, Shun is Sean, but, and the whole gender Ben fiasco. But Shiryu is just long. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's not a first name! <laughs> It's like borderline racist. <laughs> am am I am I a bad fan for? Am I a bad fan for just not watching it because I like I the the name changes I I could kind of stick with, but making Shuna girl just really upset me like on a deep level and it's because Shun was the first, right. But he's also gender nonconforming. 
Well, he's not, in, in an official capacity, he's not a member of the LGBT. He's not bi or gay or pan or whatever. But he's very obviously somewhere on the spectrum. And for it just felt weird that they they wanted to promote more female power, which is great. But they took away the LGBT representation. Well, not from only it, that, or at least they, they, th- for them to be like, we want more female representation. I'm like, there are girl characters. There's tons of girl characters. There's they there's Marin given... and Shina, make and June even, you know, or Shunre, make them more stand out more if you want to have stronger female characters. Yeah, give them more prominence in the show. You don't have to change the fundamentals of a show to be like PC or to be to get those extra brownie points for being inclusivity and stuff like that. Like I'm all about inclusivity. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I love seeing, you know, POC characters, LGBT characters, you know, different array of what people can be like. But when you take a character and change it to fit that mold, instead of adapting or bringing in new characters and like that, it feels weird sometimes, especially in something that's so, adapted or so set in stone, I guess, like St. Zia, like take for instance, like with Marvel comics, those characters, a lot of the time change all the time. And depending on who the artist is and who the writer is, their appearances can change. Sometimes their ethnicities change. So it like when you have somebody like Samuel Jackson being in a role of a character that like in the cartoon back in the nineties was white, like that's not as big of a deal. I feel like because those characters change all the time, but St. Zia has been, so stable throughout its entire 35 year run of its characters being who they are. It just felt so bizarre to change it like that. I don't know. I just, I feel very defensive of my baby Shun. Problem with it is because I also love Shun. Shun has always been a very gender non-conforming character. And it was so good for there to be a male character, like disregarding the fact that his armor is pink or whatever, or he's more of the, more on the feminine side, which is kind of unfair when in Saint Seiya, half of the cast can be considered feminine. The fact that he is not a traditionally quote-unquote masculine character, but he was still one of the strongest among the entire core five. Like, Shun kicks serious ass. Later, if you ever read the manga or decide to go after the, after the after those 114 episodes when we get into Hades, there's things that happen with Shun that he becomes very, very important and his importance is like it's it, it's it's reliant on a lot of it. Well, not only that, like again, it's yeah, he becomes super important because of his whole role later on in the Hades arc and everything. But even in the original, the original, you know, first arc of the Sanctuary arc and everything like that, he has such a strong character, and he's he is not afraid to be emotional or sensitive, and it's. The fact that they chose Shun of all people to make into a girl upset me because you would never they would never do that to Iki. They would never make Iki a female character because he is traditionally considered a masculine form of he's the traditional I'm going to be tough and compress my emotions and be aloof and distant. I'm like if you want to have more diversity and more across the board with your characters to be more inclusive, why not make Hyoga a girl or make Shiryu a girl when these are also characters who could theoretically just as easily swap genders but you pick the one that is traditionally not considered masculine 
So it felt like a very cheap, low choice. Like, when you said Shiryu, all I could think of is like, Shiryu finds every excuse in the world to take his shirt off, and I'm just like, I wonder how they would make that work if he was a girl. <laughs> I know, I know. I was, I, I, I love Shiryu. I love Shiryu to death. I love my boy. He never keeps a shirt on, so that would be hilarious for them to turn Shiryu into a girl to see how that works mm-hmm. out. And then now we have Saint to Saint to show as well to kind of help with that as well. Although that kind of almost diverges in the complete opposite direction, where it's like all females. It's like where are the guys? I know they're there, but well. Well, the thing is with Saint, my I like Saint uh, Saint Tia show. I do like it. My problem with that is that they have these girl characters who are able to be fighters and everything like that. But I hate what they. I am somebody who is a strong advocate for, and this is funny coming from me, who is someone who identifies as femme. The whole sanctuary mask rule. I think it's such an interesting concept. I think it is so fascinating and such a cool way to look into a culture of this of this world building. And I it frustrates me that it is ignored in Saint Tia show and their whole excuse is, oh, they're handmaidens, they're not actual saints, so they don't have to wear the mask. I'm like it, it makes it it eliminates so much of an interesting concept of them having to disguise themselves or hide their emotions behind masks. Meanwhile the guys are way more emotional. <laughs> And I was gonna say another thing that you bring up a good point, or it's like you know one of the things that one of the things I I'll like again if you ever find me on Twitter if you see your, your official Twitter on ST Cosmocast or if you find me on my own personal Twitter on on LL underscore Ramses, I will always go up to bat on Saint Seiya Omega. And there's one of the things I said is like, okay, you want exclusivity, you want to do something, good, you make a new character. And I, I do appreciate that they made a new character in, in that case to fill in that that, uh, that inclusivity role. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I love Aquila, Yuna. And again, and again, again, going back to Saints Hill Omega, I do appreciate the fact that like the character, there's a character in it, and one of the things is one of her major arcs is that like they had to put her in a mask, but she's like, no, I don't want to be in the mask anymore. I I want to be my own independent person. So like, God. so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get me. So one of the, one of her major arcs is that she refuses to wear the mask, and even though like she's trained, even at the beginning we do see her with the mask on, eventually she does take it off at her own like at her, for her own at for at her own choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, spoilers for Omega if anyone hasn't watched it, but it's so good. You should watch at least the first season. The second season is not so good. But this first season is so good because the, um, another aspect of the mask is that, again, like you said, Yuna chooses not to wear the mask. Later on, her teacher, Pavlin, chooses also to take her mask off for Yuna. So the thing is, the, again, traditionally the mask rule is that they can't, if they show their face, they, they have to fall in love with the person or kill them. You know, if it's a man, obviously, because, you know, it's the 80s and sexism is a thing. But (laughs) it's when Pavlin does it in Omega, she takes off her mask and it's very much revealed to be a thing where she chooses to to be vulnerable to Yuna, to her student. And Yuna decides to be vulnerable and open to her friends when she doesn't wear the mask in the opening in the beginning of Omega. 
So it is a really interesting rule. And I also think it's interesting that the people who do decide to wear it the whole time, like Marin, Marin never takes her mask off. And I know it's because it's a plot point. The whole idea is, is she Seika? Is she not? The, that, the, it's a, that's the reason she doesn't take it off is for plot reasons. But eliminating that from the, from the nether, it's a good concept and a good, interesting way to look at how each of these characters interact with the world around them. Marin keeps herself very distant. She doesn't reveal her emotions or her thoughts. She's very private. Versus Yuna, who decides to be emotional and vulnerable and open with herself. So I think that with Senkaya's show, where none of them have a mask on, other than Mayura, who wears one, and she's because she's a saint, it very much is like, oh, there could be so much that could be done here, and they're just falling short because they want to show a bunch of pretty girls. <laughs> I just feel like there could be so... Again, St. Sia's show ha did a lot of things to be like, oh, we're going to you know have more girl characters. We're going to focus more on Saori and her role as Athena away from the boys, which is good. It's interesting. You also get a lot of insight into Sanctuary during Sanctuary arc from the other side because you get to see stuff about, you know, Saga and, you know, Milo and other characters, which I think is cool. It's interesting and it's fun. And, you know, that, but that's like pandering fan service, of course, because everybody <laughs> loves the Gold Saints. Doesn't matter who it is. Everybody loves the Gold Saints. They do. I I am so because I I am somebody who collects figurines. I I collect a lot of the myth cloths and everything like that. I have Marin. I have Shina. I want to get June, but she's super hard to find. I have Pandora, and I also want to get the God cloth of Saori because I want to get all the girls. <laughs> I also have Mermaid Thetis. I do. I forgot. I had Thetis as well. So I have most of the girls. I know the God cloth. I have the, I want the God cloth Athena. And I also want this, the super X of Poseidon, which has him in his chair. And he's like, he, I think he's like a one sixteenth. No, he's not even one sixteenth. He's like a one crazy, like one eighth scale. So he's crazy big. So I'd have to make a whole new show for him, but I would do it because I love Poseidon so much. I love Julian. Yeah. That one was, wasn't that one like thousands, like super ridiculously expensive. Yes, it is. That is like my dream. If I ever become a millionaire, I will buy the big, huge Poseidon and build him a special shelf, and he will sit sit on it and be never touched. And that was that was gonna be one of the points that like uh, Fury was kind of Fire Fury was uh, was telling me. It's just like he, he was telling me once, and I was like, oh man, why is it so hard to find like merchandise with bronze saint when all of it is just the like, all of it is just the gold saint, and it's just like because they sell a lot. I just, I want to find some stuff of the Black Saints, because I really like their designs. It's just, like, my, 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 my kryptonite that always happens with me is I'll start watching a show, and the first villain will pop up, and I'll know full well that that villain is only going to last, like, five episodes and then be usurped by somebody else. But it never fails. Like, Dragon Ball Z, Raditz is my favorite character. Raditz is only in, like, five episodes, and then he's dead, and then he comes back maybe two times throughout the, like, 7,000 Dragon Ball episodes that exist after that. Like, but he's still my favorite character. Yeah, well, no, one time he came back from hell. I think that was GT, though, um, where, like, all the villains came back from hell to attack, and it was like, 
a filler episode or some stupid crap. But but like every every show, the first villains are my favorite. So I really really like the Black Saints, and even as a kid, I know they do have a Black Phoenix uh, figure. I yeah, I was, my friend has it. I, I see them floating around. They're just so expensive because they didn't make a bunch of them, so they're hard to come by. So it's not that they're popular; it's that they're spots. Yeah, that's me with June. I I probably will never. Yeah, my, a friend of mine has the Black Phoenix, and it's like literally was like a lucky find in Japantown in San Francisco. Yeah, and usually a lot of those, a lot of those, um, especially myth cloth versions of the Black Saints are usually relegated to like um a, as a, a P Bandai exclusive. Usually you have to pay a premium. You gotta get it sent from Japan, or if you get lucky and find it like on Manarake or on Yahoo Auctions. Yeah, that that's how that's June was a special limited edition. There's like only like five hundred of the June, and I'm like, I I just want to complete my girl collection. Actually, well, I was gonna segue because like one of the things I wanted to discuss, like when I when I was when I was planning out the episodes before I before I came up with this idea of like seeing how we, how we would all interact was actually it was I was gonna talk about merchandise and how like and like talk about the toys and just the weird like. Um, Sundries of Saint Seiya that, that, that we all that either the fans would submit or you guys want to talk about. So it's like, but talk about that. Like, what's like you know your favorite Saint Seiya like thing that you guys want to talk about? I'll go last, so it's not the host. But you, you want you guys go up first? Um, like something that we own or something that we want or like what kind of random? Well, we can talk about what wish list later. But right now, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we? Um, why don't we talk about like what you currently own that you like? Uh, have, so like, with have, me, like, uh, one of my best friends who is not super into anime, she's kind of like on the peripheral of it, and she'll she watches stuff because um, her husband's more into it than she is. But we've been friends for like 10, 15 years at this point, and so we're we're pretty close. Um, but she's a Sagittarius, so. Long, long time ago, when Saint Sia was on as Knights of the Zodiac on Cartoon Network, her mom saw a toy in Walmart or Target or wherever she was, and it was the Sia Gold Cloth. And the only other one that they had was Dragon Shiryu of those like deluxe figures that come with all the like, um, like they had the massive boxes and you could put all of the armor pieces on them, and they had like shiny metallic paint. And they were pretty nice. I mean, it's Bandai America, so they're not nice, nice, but but they're pretty nice. Um, but my like, she gave them to her daughter, which is my friend, because she's a Sagittarius. And then she just grabbed the other one, I guess, um, and gave them to her as like a Christmas present or a birthday present. And she never really watched the show, and she wasn't really crazy about it. She thought they looked neat, but she was also moving into a much smaller house, so she's like, "Hey, do you want these?" And I'm like. Yes, yes, please. So I, I have these really old figures that I wasn't able to buy because I was at the time getting like $10 a week for allowance. So I'd have to save up for like three weeks to be able to get one. And by then they're gone off the shelves, you know, as a kid. So I never got to have any of these when I was younger. So like they are my prized figures for as far as Saint Seiya goes. They're in my basement. They sit in front of the what little manga I have of it because the volumes are hard to find now. But anytime I find a volume, I'll snag it from like a bookstore or something. And um, yeah, they're because they're so old, the paint's chipping off of them a little bit, but they, they're my favorite figures that I have. And um, that's actually why I keep thinking about the black saints because the boxes, I have like a stack of collectible boxes in my closet 
and I keep looking over, and on the side it has uh, Sagittarius Dea, and then it has the four um, black saints on it. So they made the black saints, and my soul dies every time I look at it because I want those. <laughs> but um, yeah, those, that's my favorite thing. It's nothing expensive or anything, but it was just one of those instances where my friend thought of me, and it was something, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime once chance type of thing that I probably won't find again in my area anyway. So I just thought it was really cool, and it's, it means a lot to me, even though it's not anything mind-blowingly expensive like a P-Bandai figure or anything like that. Right. Well, that's so funny, because like, it's always the... In it's not always the most expensive things that mean the most to you or are the most special in in any kind of respect. For me, I like I said, I have quite a few figurines and some other stuff, but I'm trying to think of something. My favorite thing, it's so hard because I, I, I do like a lot of my things. I have the um, I am somebody who goes to a lot of conventions, and whenever I go to cons, my my I, I try not to go with any. When I was younger, I would go crazy with the merchandise hall because I had money to burn and no bills. <laughs> now I'm an adult, so I have to control myself a bit. And so I'm like, okay, I will go in looking for Saint Seiya, and if I find anything, I, if it's a good deal, I'll get it. And so. That's how I got Shina. That's how I got Thetis and a couple other pieces. But I found um, a, when I was at a con, I found these, uh, it was when Omega had first come out. And so it was little phone straps. And of course, most Western phones don't have a place to put phone straps. So I just turned it into a keychain. But I had gotten all the main five. I had gotten Soma. Yuna, Koga, uh, Ryuho, and Haruto. And I gave... Oh no, and Eden, the six, because there were six, because I also had gotten Eden. So I gave Eden and Haruto to my one of my best friends, and then I kept the other ones. I eventually gave Soma to another friend, and uh, but I kept Yuna and, uh, and Ryuho, and I kept them on my keychains. And I had them for years, until finally they... I, my, I have a lot of stuff on my keys, so they just got beat up over time. And uh, Rioho lost his arm, and Yuna lost, like, just disappeared one day on the metro. So I, I, I to this day, I still look for them to have them back because they, I love them so much. <laughs> I had little. Um, <clears throat> it was like the same thing. I used to be super obsessed with Lupin the Third, and they had. I found these keychains that were. Um, like 3D figures that were like two inches tall. Like they weren't, they weren't flat like foam straps, but they were like PVC, like little bitty two inch figures. Oh no, these were like figurines that were on a strap. Yeah. Yes. It, it was, it was one of those. And so I, I got the whole cast and I immediately, I had just learned to drive. This is the first time that I drove to convention by myself. So it's probably like 16 or 17. And I put it immediately on my keychain and I put it in my pocket and within a day, it had popped off and it was gone. And I, like, I still have the rest of them, but I lost Fujiko in, like, the Playboy Bunny-looking outfit, which is one of my favorite, like, not to sound creepy, but I love that outfit on her. She looks so cute. Um, and I lost that one. And I just, like, I think about it every once in a while. I'm like, man, I was dumb. <laughs> 
I know. I, I wish I had not put them on my keychains. I wish I had put them somewhere safer. But at, at, at the time, they were so cute and important to me. And I wanted to show them off. So I had them on my keys. And now I'm like, no. And because I even asked my friend, because I literally, I, I got them literally. It had to be like almost eight years ago, 10 years ago, possibly. So I asked a friend who I'd given Haruto and Eden to. I'm like, do you still have yours? And they checked and like, they still have them in like on a display in the room. I'm like, ah, oh, that's what I should have done. I'm so stupid. <laughs> what about you, Ramses? What is your most important to you? Oh, man. Okay, so you guys got to realize one thing. I used to live in Mexico. So in Mexico, obviously, it was St. Sale. It was like only, it was like, it was the big thing. It was the other thing. I think I've mentioned to you guys this so many times, and I've mentioned this so many times on the podcast that it was a big, it was a big it thing for for it to be in Mexico. And one of the things I remember very fondly is that um, one day I just got one day out of the blue, my mom was like, "Pick up a toy, you know, pick up, you know, pick up a toy, pick up any toy you want. I, I don't care because, like, you know." Like you know, she saw that I had some good grades, and was like you know, you know, you've been you've been working hard. Why don't you why don't you pick up something for yourself? You know, and then it's like okay, and I went looking around, and I saw like Saint Sarah toys were flying off the shelves, but I had to but I had to look for one in particular, and this was the last one at the store, and it was like all official, like all all up and up. It was a official Saint Seiya like original like those 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 really thick um those really big armored ones of set of Libra, and Libra is one of my favorite saints in, in the series. Like I absolutely love it, and then I found out later when, when I was like my mind blew later as I when I figured out like oh my god this guy's even better than I thought, but. I loved the Libra armor because it held these all these cool weapons and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get so much value out of this figure. So like, I loved it. And unfortunately, when I moved here to the United States, that I got lost. If you're talking about something that's more current, up to date, that I have that I really enjoy, I think one of the things I really enjoy is I picked up these Gashapons of Saint Say. I picked up a set of them, and I liked it because it had um, it was a set from like uh, Tenkai Hen. It was also a set that also acted as like a Poseidon set. So I had Poseidon, uh, Seiya in his uh, Sagittarius cloth, Hyoga in the in the Aquarius armor, in the Sagittarius cloth, uh, Shiryu in the in the um, Shiryu in the Libra cloth, uh, Icarus, and it had that Seiya again. But this time he had it in that armor you only see, you only see, for like two seconds in the movie at the very end of the credits. That weird armor he wears. And that's the only that was the only time you that was that was that was the coolest design and I'm really happy I, I got that and I really want that 15th anniversary myth clock that that figure because I love that design so much and that's the only thing that's kind of survived in, in all these moves and over the years I picked up other things I'm looking right now at my pop uh, my pop um my pop vinyl of Saint Seiya and I have a few of the Saint Seiya new Saint Seiya toys of the anime Heroes Collection and you know I have other other assorted things that that's come out over the years, but I think that on um, Gachapon set and also having that memory of that old those old toys, man, those really old toys from Bandai that had like the half die cast, half um plastic. They all look like they all look like they all look like linebackers, but I did not give a spit about it. They were so good, and I still love them to death. And like, I still pine to find that um that figure, and it, it would be even more like nowadays if I'm gonna find that figure. 
it's most likely gonna be like a bootleg, and I don't care if it's a bootleg. But if I can find one that that if I can find one that that's like authentic, that'd be great. And even more, if I can find that Mexican Spanish packaging, because it will just it's the nostalgia of it when I when, when I, if I ever find it again or any figures that have like that old uh, that that old design. And I could and the worst part is I could have brought some like at a convention once. Some guy was trying to trying to hawk them for like twenty four dollars a set, and I was like. If I didn't have money, I could I should have brought it because he was he was trying to like offload a lot of them. And I think that was because a lot of those figures that he, that got I think a lot of those figures because I'm also a toy collector, so I know like what's going on. I think what ended up happening was that they were just there was like a warehouse that just found through these found these figures, and I think the guy just took advantage and he had all the, the, the surplus of like of Spanish, um, Mexican Spanish um, Saint Sale box figures, and I was just like. Yeah, I should have brought it because I was like hesitant. Was like, is this like legit? Is it like legitsies or not? And all like that, he was like, he was in cash only. I'm like, I have the cash only got my card. And it's like, oh, I should have brought those. And I think the figures in question, I think it was um, Canon. Um, I forgot who. Yeah, anything with Canon is so good. I love Canon. That was one of them. And I think it was Shura as well. Capcom Shura. And I forgot who I for, and I forgot who else. And the reason why those were the well, reason why those were were the ones that were offering to me because like those were actually the ones that were more prominent. That you, if you were going to like Mexico and you went to buy those at a store, those were the most prominent ones. That's why it was really hard to find Libra when I. Yeah, I also have little Gashapon figures. I the, I think it was like a year or two ago they came out with a recent Gashapon set that were like the petite something. And like they have like that really comical like the big eyes with the swirly pupils and everything like that that distinctive style I can't remember what the brand is, but um, but they come with like they're like on little their little stands look like uh, columns in like uh, the like stone of sanctuary they're super cute and they're and I have all the I have uh mo all the main boys and. Sorry, except for Iki, because I gave Iki to a friend, and I also it also came with Saga, but he's in his Pope Arles costume with and he's holding a little he's holding the little dagger. So I also sent that to a friend because it was just so cute. It's just like oh, little little baby Saga holding a dagger. <laughs> I um speaking of canon, actually, this was something that I wanted to bring up. I don't want to take up too much more time before we get to the episodes, but. Um, I, I, I talked to Ramses about this before, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but, um, I'm noticing that a lot is, especially in the past few years, they're focusing on certain characters a lot more because, you know, they're more popular, but that means it's just making it to where we don't get full sets. And the, the best example that I have of that currently is Ben Presto that does like the crane game figures started, um, like Early to mid-last year, they started doing a, a series of St. Seiya characters in street clothes instead of in the armor. And that's my jam. Like, I, I love the street clothes. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the armor and I want all the armor figures. But, like, I, I really like the street clothes, too. I think it makes it for, like, a unique figure that you don't see a lot of the time. So they came out with Seiya, then they came out with Iki, and then they came out with Shiryu. And so I was like, okay, Hyoga's next. My boy, my, my icy baby boy is next, and we're getting him. Next was Aeolia. And I'm like, what? what? 
and they just skipped straight to the Gold Saints, and they they did him, and they I, did that's Moo, why I'm, and I'm then Cannon is going to come out because soon Shun as well. is very popular. I I figured they would do Shiryu. Shiryu is ironically not ironically. I guess it makes sense because Shiryu is kind of like the the traditional. Um, his character archetype is very popular in Japan, so of course Shiryu is the most popular one in Japan. He's like he always wins the popularity polls other than the gold saints gold saints are different but among the main five he is the most popular <laughs> but i i i wish they would just give him clothes that are not like the kung fu outfit please put this boy in jeans oh my god they didn't even put him in clothes <laughs> I know, but put him in jeans. <laughs> put this boy in jeans. I just, I hope that they go back because I, I want Shun's. <laughs> well, well, this one is just him shirtless. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, he doesn't even have clothes, like his pants, but he doesn't have a shirt on. I mean, like, that's pretty on brand for Shiryu, though, for him not to have a shirt on. <laughs> But, like, I, I just, I like them because, like, their Cosmo is flowing and, like, their clothes are, like, have, like, little tears and stuff in them and it's, like, floating up. So you can tell they're, like, powering up their Cosmo. So it's, they, they look really nice. I just wish they would have, like, finished the core five because I, like, I love Yoga and I love Shun. And Shun's little overalls would be so cute to have a figure of. Oh, my God. So maybe they'll go back, but as of right now, they've just skipped to doing the the Gold Saints now. And it's... I Yeah, the, I, hopefully they'll go back once they finish the gold. It, it might just be that they were dipping in popularity because, you know... I'll, I'll I be, mean, especially since they're bringing out Canon before some of the other Gold Saints, it's definitely popularity. Because like, Canon does not pop in until pretty late in the game as far as the Gold Saints are concerned, so... Yeah, and he's barely a gold saint. He's he's a gold saint for about two fights. He's a gold saint for about two days before he dies at the Wailing Wall. Spoilers. He's an honorary one, sort of. <laughs> no, I love Cannon. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I love his whole thing. Like, if we ever get to the Poseidon episodes and his episode where he reveals his whole evil plan, it is a great episode because this is a man who's had 13 years to not know what he's doing. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so funny whenever somebody's like, whenever they get into Saint Seiya, they immediately are like, okay, I gotta figure out if I can relate my sign to the gold saint that represents that sign. I did the same thing. I'm a Virgo. I was immediately like, I gotta get, I gotta know about this Virgo saint. I gotta figure out if we can vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a Gemini, so I, I absolutely love both him and Saga. Like, like when, like, again, not to, not to spoil anything, but we're not too far off from it, so it's not a mega spoiler, but like, when I was a kid, and, or when I was younger, and I was watching the Gold Saint art, and I was like, okay, they're going through house by house, they're going to get to Gemini soon, and they got to Gemini fairly quickly, and it was like this shadow guy, and I'm like, I got gypped. My, what the heck, because I, I didn't know, you know, the big twist at the end of that art, so I was like, I got screwed over in this situation, like, my, my saint sucks, like, he's, he's got a cool power, but like, 
Yeah, and then it and like you get to the end of the arc, it's like, no, I I I hit the jackpot. I got the best. <laughs> I but then but then you realize it's one of the best. And okay, so like one of the things I one of the things that I also should have mentioned as well, and, and you know maybe we can transition to something that's like you know what's the weirdest thing you've seen Saint Seiya like promoted or some or something like that. I guess for, like I said, Saint Seiya was like the biggest thing in Mexico, and in like they were selling everything with the word they could, anything any sundry you can slap the word Saint Seiya on, they would slap it. And I remember, like, there was, they actually sold <laughs> potato like, chips. You know, and, I mean, that doesn't shock me. Japan will slap. Uh, I know it's, you said it's Mexico, but in Japan, they do the same thing. They will slap a, an IP on anything. They, they mean, have freaking Rosa like, Versailles I'm, I'm toilet paper. Player. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm a big Overwatch player, and I literally have, like, a Pringles can that had Lucio on it. So, like, I, they, it's the same thing over here. Maybe not with toilet paper, but. Well, no, it's it's. It, I guess I guess it's weird because it's like you know I never really thought twice about it, and it's just so and it's so weird. It's it's specifically branded as Saint Seiya. It's not something that they just put in just because. It is something specifically branded as as such, and it's like and it always struck me as so weird. And one of the things that that was also pretty big at the time is like in those potato chips they would they would have with the um in Mexico we would call them tassels, and here in the United States they're called pogs. I had so little Ramsey's had like a huge, huge collection of of Saint Seiya pogs. I haven't seen pogs in a, at least a decade. I yeah, I have not seen pogs in many a year. I'm I'm old enough to remember pogs, and I have not seen them since I was a child. Yeah, I had some Sailor Moon ones that were pretty dope. I was I was a Sailor Moon baby. I, I, I was also a Sailor Moon baby. I seen Sailor Moon when it first came out in Japan. I would watch the anime, even though I didn't understand a whole lot of it. And then I just, I remember when I came back to the States, it had not come over yet, but I would talk about it all the time. I had toys and stuff like that for Sailor Moon and it hadn't dropped in the U.S. And so people were like this crazy, you know, Japanese stuff. And then it dropped and it was hugely popular. And I was like, you know, then I was... I was never cool, but I was like, I had known about it before it had gotten popular in the States. <laughs> I was never cool. I, and it was never cool to begin with, but before it blew up in this, in the States, I remember being like talking about it and people being like, I have never heard of this show before. I don't know what you're talking about. I would bring toys to show and tell and think no one knew what it was. <laughs> I liked it before it was popular. <laughs> I want to say, like, I've noticed, I've noticed, like, this, like, Venn diagram where it's, like, in the middle is Saint, in the middle is Sailor Moon when it comes to, um, so when it comes to Saint Seiya, so it's, like, it doesn't surprise me because, like, I got into, I, it's an option for me. I got, when I got, I got into Saint Seiya first, and the, re, and the replacement show for Saint Seiya after it got done was actually Sailor Moon. Yeah, I I got into Sailor Moon first, like I said, because of how I, when I grew, was growing up, but then in the States, Sailor Moon came over first. And then Saint Seiya came by when I was in middle school, so that's why it was reversed for me. And I was also always a very girly child. <laughs> I just want to apologize to all the listeners, though, because uh, especially if you don't know a lot about Sailor Moon, but there's a lot of parallels between the two shows as far as like how the core team operates, and you know, it's a team of five, and there's all these like additional people that are like 
and then my dog was barking. But no, um, anyway, I, I wanted to apologize to the, the fans or the listeners out there because there's so many similarities between Sailor Moon and Saint Seiya. And obviously Sailor Moon came much later. Well, not, not a whole lot later, but quite a bit later as far as like anime terms are concerned. So I'm sure that it had some kind of inspiration there. But I, I, I just instinctively, because Sailor Moon was like my show as a kid, I draw a lot from that. So you might hear me several times in the coming episodes being like, this reminds me of a time in Sailor Moon. And it just it just spills out of my mouth without me meaning to say it. So I hope that doesn't deter anybody. But they, they are, there's a lot of similar elements. Yeah, for me, it's just like, like it was just like, oh, wow, this looks like, to me, it was similar looking. And also it had like a lot of the, the, the Sentai things. It had a lot of the Sentai elements that, uh, that Furry was talking about earlier. And it's just like you know, that's a whole different podcast altogether. So we can discuss, that, or we can discuss that off off on the podcast. But like, if you're if you're concerned, I wouldn't be that concerned because I've noticed that not just between not just you guys, but a bunch of people are also are also like if like the if they're a Saint Seiya fan, about ninety percent of the time they're also a Saint Sailor Moon fan as well. So don't worry about it too much. Yeah. So um. That that was just my piece. Sorry, I I was gonna say something and then my dogs distracted me, and so I'm really sorry. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, like I said, like um, all right. Just so, so let, let let's like end this topic then. Like like let's talk about what is the one, what is the one thing you really want from Saint Seiya? And I know, and we already discussed it before, but I guess I should say mine. And like I said, like uh, like if I had the opportunity to pick up anything from like Saint Seiya. I think for me, it would have to be just like the. It would have to be one of those like those expensive um, Prime One statues that they had, that they released recently with the LEDs on it. Especially with the, I, I saw the Iki one. I'm like I need that one. And also the one with Chibi was also extremely extremely good as well. So um, one of one of the either two. I I've known Prime One for a long time because of their Transformers output, and it's just like I know like those those are like some like really really expensive ones. And Yuri, you said that um, that you wanted you wanted a, that that you wanted that, that that scaled Poseidon figure, right? Yes, I would love the the one six scale or one eighth scale, possibly Poseidon. One six scale would be massive. I think it's actually one eighth, but one eighth scale Poseidon is a dream of mine. I also would like the the really fancy dancy super detailed Shiryu or Iki, either one would be fine with me. I wish they would release the Shun. <laughs> Again, those are thousands of dollars. Those are like, if I hit the lottery. <laughs> if I had to pick something that I would want, I, I mean, mine's kind of sad because it's actually super easily to obtain it for the most part. I just got to spend like $300 or so. Um, I really want the god cloth for um, Camus. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite gold saint. With the big wings and uh, from uh, Soul of Gold, where he just they just go like balls to the wall with making everybody look ridiculous. Yep, just everybody gets a wing. Just slap a wing on it. No, that, that's why I love Soul of Gold, because it just got ridiculous for a while. Um, but I, I really want that one. Um, it went up, I remember when Solo Gold was airing, they announced it, and it went up on AmiAmi, 
and sold out in like 30 seconds. And I was refreshing, waiting to put it in my cart. And before I could even complete the checkout, it was sold out. So I was just devastated. And then my now husband, we weren't married at the time, but my now husband was like, "We're, you understand that we we wouldn't be able to pay rent if you'd bought that. I was like, that is not the point right now. <laughs> like, this is not the discussion. Like, I understand that it would have been tough to make it through, but I would have my favorite figure, okay? It'd be great. <laughs> hey, uh, ramen, noodles are, ramen noodles are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> there are sometimes there are more important things than rent. I, I'm saying this as somebody who... Ice cubes are free, and they come out of the fridge, and all you gotta do is chew on it, and you'll feel better. <laughs> you'll be hungry anymore. Also pays my bills first, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm somebody who's like, if I can get it, I will eat Top Ramen for a long time. Oh, by the way, we're not advocating... We're not advocating anybody at all to be doing any of this. Like, we're, we're, no, we're not experts on, on finances or anything like that, so just, uh, just a no... <laughs> We are not encouraging anybody to starve themselves for figures. <laughs> what will satisfy my hunger will be that Camus figure. And not just that, it's only, it only pertains to us, so don't worry about it. So don't worry, so don't worry. Like, we, don't, we don't want you guys. Uh, we are not financial experts. This is purely fascist exaggeration. This is a joke. This is a goof. Yeah, I, if if I want to if I want to spend my money how I want to spend my money, that's fine. Do what you got to do. Anyways, I think we should talk. I think I, I want to touch up because like there's not really not that much news to talk about, but it, there is something I do want to talk about like very briefly, and it's the fact that recently it was revealed that not, not super recently, it's like three weeks now, so this tells you like how long we've been like we have we haven't met an episode, and that's the fact that um, AMC Networks here in the United States has acquired um, Sentai Filmworks. Sentai Filmworks has been worked on the dub of Saint Seiya, the new one that we all been clamoring for. And what this means is that like they, they brought all their assets and they also bought their their um their streaming service High Dive. And like right now it's just it's a wait and see like if like if they can do the if they can bring back Saint Seiya in this in this in this way on AMC's like on AMC Plus or on like you know on High Dive or whatever whatever they're gonna put it on, and I'm pretty sure like eh. I I would question because Toei is very very protective of their IP. Toei does not easily give away and like the fact that we had a dub with Netflix is pretty impressive. I mean, just think that they did the dub with the the whole Saint Seiya. They never got to Hades. I don't. I think they couldn't get the rights to Hades because Hades was done by a different studio. But they never got Hades done. They didn't do anything. Even though Toei still owns Legends of Sanctuary, they never dubbed that either. So the thing is, Toei is very protective of their stuff, and so. I would love if AMC was able to get access to it, but it's not going to be anytime soon, unfortunately, I don't think. Well, I I kind of disagree. Um, I kind of disagree with that. Like, Toei historically is very protective of their properties. Lately, though, um, with, as in within the past few years, I mean, we're getting... Um, not to delve into a completely different fandom, but we're getting Common Rider for the first time ever. 
um, subtitled. Like, they're finally letting companies take it, subtitle it, and stream it. We actually just got our first ever Common Rider Blu-ray ever, except for the movies. I think ADV licensed a couple of the movies, like, back in the early 2000s. But as far as, like, actual TV show, we just got Zero One on Blu-ray, and it's a physical copy of it. And similarly, not to bring up Sailor Moon again, but famously, Toei said that they would never let the United States have stars because it was that they didn't think that, they, that we would understand it. And Funimation was able to get it and do it. So I think that they're starting to lighten up a little bit on things. They're um, very much partnering with like Crunchyroll to have simulcasts and stuff like that, like Digimon and other shows uh, like... Um, uh, Precure and things like that. So I think that they're lightening up and they're starting to see the potential of a Western market. But that being said, Saint Seiya has not historically done well, so they might not want to bother with it either. So it's I don't know if it's as much as being protective of it as if it they just probably won't make money off of it here, or they don't think they will. That's fair. I mean, they've already done the dub, so I think that they've already kind of put their money into the dub, and, I, and I'm and i just like, just put the dub on a streaming service. I watched it on Netflix. I know that for whatever reason, they only had it on for, I think, 18 months. But bring it back to a streaming service. Believe me, I will do the numbers for you. I will watch it every day if I have to, because I loved it. It was so good. It's, act it's actually shorter than 18 months if you remember that they released the episodes in batches. Like, we didn't have the full series. We only had the full series for, like, a year. Because it was, like, no, it wasn't every even month or two, the full series like for a year. They released Poseidon, like, six months after the after the first two. But I think COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. I said that they released Poseidon, I believe, six months after they released Asgard. So it was a while between Asgard and Poseidon. Yeah, they did not have the original not, animated not, series uh, for the uh, whole uh, 18 months. There's 118 episodes. It would be a lot for anybody to finish, even even though it was there for 18 months when only. When the last half of it wasn't there, it took them a long, so we, except for the last nine months, the, that's a long time. The series, I guess you could call it, for very long at all. So it's it's and it, I just remember I didn't even get to finish Poseidon. I don't think at all in the dub. Yeah, I. I, I definitely was keeping up with it as they released it for the first bit, but like like any show you get distracted or it takes too long, you know, in, in St. Satan's case for episodes to come out. And sometimes you just forget about it. It's, and that's, I mean, that's the danger of streaming is everybody kind of binges it and then forgets about it too. So they, they get caught up to the newest season and then kind of forget right. that it exists for however many I, more I months. I didn't watch the whole dub. Out, so. I watched all of Sanctuary that's kind of Arc. what I, I ran into. So I know I didn't finish the dub, which I super regret. I did not watch all of Asgard, unfortunately, really because it, it was going to be leaving soon and I wanted to uh, get through Asgard Arc. I mean, as really put in the work to make this show And so I kind of prioritized, unfortunately. And so I, and I didn't get to hear all the voices in Asgard, which kind of bummed me out because I would have loved to hear the, yeah, the I, dub for Asgard. Just, I don't know. I'm, I thought that they had, they, they could have easily kind of taken the easy way out and just kind of like half did it because it's so, it's such an older show and it's not, 
I mean, they they didn't seem to have a whole lot of faith in it, so they could have easily just been like, man, let's just kind of half-ass it and get it out there or whatever. Uh, but no, they took the time. Kind of like the original, not the original dub, the second dub, the uh, yeah, ADB that, dub the was ADB kind of like that at times. Yeah, the ADB super felt like that, unfortunately. Especially the, the freaking, I, mean, I think it was the Silver, not the Silver Saints, the, the Steel Saints. Oh my goodness, I just remember I hated them. Oh, it, I, I have a strong opinion. The Steel Saints, Saints, not the Silver Saints, so. Saints sorry. The, the, the thing is, they did the new Knights of the Zodiac, Saint Seiya, with the whole CGI show. And they tried to go in a different direction. Which they tried to combine a, I think they had a Japanese director, but they were also had like uh, Western writers, if I remember correctly. So they tried to combine two very different styles, which is not a bad thing. I think it's kind of cool that they try to do that, but they did it in a way that really did not, it, it tried too hard in the places that didn't matter and then not hard enough where it did. They tried. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say that, like, what we were talking about earlier, making Shun a girl rather than promoting other female characters like Saori or, you know, Shina, Marin, etc. And then also trying to change, like, some of the changes they made, I feel like, were interesting. Like, uh, I, I feel having the... I, I, I call him Almond because that's how his name sounds, but her um, her grandfather having a friend, quote-unquote, in this, in Vander Garad, where he was the, one of the, he was like kind of the, uh, I guess, the uh, an initial villain in the series because he thinks Athena is going to destroy the planet because there's a prophecy or something. I it's very I'm very vague on the on that part because that was kind of bizarre. But having a person who is not Saga or you know Sanctuary have this opinion of Saori where she's going to be dangerous and stuff like that. It was kind of interesting. I thought it was a kind of a cool new spin on it. I liked that. They tried to do different things. They, I liked how they had done things with Seiya and his sister Seika. And I really liked how they started the whole idea of Marin being Seika early. Earlier than when it was in the original anime where it only came out when, uh, you know, Misty had made that comment or something like that. So there was parts of it where they did some interesting things. I feel like if they had done more to flesh out their ideas that were new and innovative rather than trying to fix what they thought was thought would be marketable, <laughs> it would have been better. By trying to make it more marketable, they made it less marketable. It just it, and again, I did not watch much of it, so you can you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but they like I just remember seeing all these interviews about them wanting to have girl power and promote female power, which is great. But like I felt like that was the perfect opportunity to give Sayori a much bigger role because for a good deal of the initial anime, she's especially in the Gold Saint art, she just damn blends dress. Like she doesn't she 
she's like the the one they have to protect and save. She doesn't get all cool and powerful, at least in an offensive sense, until much later on. And they could have initiated that if they wanted to have that female power and just made her like a boss, like boss babe or whatever you want to call it. And like, yeah, girl boss. Um, and but girl boss. See, on one hand, I, I agree that they could have done more with Sowery's character. I am somebody who, I hate the idea of girl bossing a character. I hate it when they turn, because there are different types of strength. Boys are allowed to have different types of strength. Like when you think of the original series, you have Shuna again, who is more emotional, more sensitive, but he's still strong. He's strong in his own way. He's in touch with his emotions. We have Shiryu, who is the more calm and composed. He has his moments where he kind of goes a little crazy, but he's kind of like seen as the more mature of the group. Then there's Hyoga, who is also, you know, sensitive, emotional cries. Seiya is the, again, the ever, ever standing protagonist of, you know, let's go get him, guys. Let's, you know, unite under the power of friendship. So they have all their different strengths and all their different things. And so when a, a lot of times I notice, and especially with media that tries to be like, we're going to make girls strong now, they always make the same girl where she's a tough girl who can hang out with the boys and she's not like other girls. And, you know, she's, she had a lot of brothers, so that's why she can keep up with everybody. And it's like, not every girl has to be a fighter. Not every girl has to be strong physically or powerful in some other way. I, I think what I really liked about, well, because this will be mentioned when we go into the episodes, is that there are characters in the series, like Shunrei, who is a girl, who is, I think, a very strong character, who who is not a fighter, but she's... She's able to stand up for herself. She gives her opinion. She's not a, you know, she doesn't shy away from the harder parts of being a saint. She understands what Shiryu does and she's fully invested in his thing. She tells him, yes, that he has the option to choose another path if he wants, but she still supports him regardless. And that's a strength in some way. So for them to be like, oh, we're going to make Shun into a girl and we're going to make her just like a girl boss where she's just like the other boys. It's like, then she could have still been a boy. She could have still been Shun. <laughs> just keep her a boy. Like Shun is, uh, is effeminate enough. Like there's no reason to literally make him a girl. Like he, he already like, I, it's, I don't know. I can go on forever about how, that's just like LGBT erasure, which I'm sure was not what they intended to do. And I don't want to accuse anybody of that, but that's how it felt to me as an LGBT person that seeing, seeing this character that was one of the first, I mean, outside of, again, Sailor Moon, sorry to bring it up again, but outside of Sailor Moon and it's fantastic display of LGBT characters. This was the first time that I had really seen an anime do it and then act like it's no big deal. Like it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, gravitation or something like that, where the whole focus of it is, oh my God, he likes boys or, oh my God, he's an effeminate boy. It's just, that's who he was. And he got teased for it sometimes, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a plot point, like outside of the very beginning where the, he didn't want to go to Death Queen Island, but <laughs> I don't, I do not want to go there. I just, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> well, 
which to be fair, it's called Death Queen Island. I don't want to go there either. But as somebody who is who identifies as queer as well, LGBT, whatever, I use the term queer. But, you know, the fact is, Shun has always been a character who, yeah, he was teased for being, he wasn't really teased for being feminine, he was teased for being sensitive. Which I think Hyoga also gets, because everybody's like, oh great, Hyoga's crying again, you know? Like, I think the only time I ever... Yeah, he's crying about his dead mom. What a loser. And it's just, you know, but I think the only time I ever saw people criticizing Shun for being gay or like making jokes about him being effeminate was actually like not the characters in the show. It was people in the fandom who would make these jokes about him being gay and stuff like that. And I'm like, if he is, what does it matter? And two, he is still one of the strongest characters. He still stands up to people. He's still like the in one of the earliest episodes in Death Queen Island, he lifts Seiya up with chains. Like, the kid is strong. Like, I don't know if anyone has tried to lift another human being, <laughs> but he's lifting somebody who was bigger than him with, like, with dead weight! And it's, it's something, that, something that's really cool is when you see like uh, like it's, I don't know if, I don't know how you I don't know how you interpret this, but like when Yoga finally came back while we were flying Milo, he's carrying him like ceremoniously in his shoulder in his hand and his over his own arms. Like he he sacrificed. Like he's like I, I he sacrificed it for me. Take him take him take, you know make sure make sure he make sure make sure he's alive. Get the hell out of here. I'll take care of Milo. Well, you also, like, that scene is also, in the show, it is not treated as him being weird. In the show, they're like, man, Shun was going to sacrifice his life for Hyoga. That is a strong-ass man. Like, everybody was impressed with him. No one ever was like, dude, that's gay. Like, no, it was treated as him genuinely being somebody who was willing to go the distance to do as much as possible to save his friend. And it's like, uh, cause I also like when we get into the episodes, I will also address it because there's other scenes with other characters who are, that is similarly kind of, kind of like sus. Cause you're just like, mm, I know it's just a, it's just a show. It's it's a con it's a consequence of a show where all the main characters are boys and so all their formative relationships are with other boys. And again, it's probably projection my own bias as somebody who identifies in the LGBT community to be like, mm, really? But <laughs> again, the in the context of the show, he is not considered somebody that is looked down on for being feminine or being sensitive for being sensitive yes but not because he's infeminine or because he's sweet or gentle he there's it's seen as a aspect of his personality like like you said and so them turning him picking shun of all the characters to make into a girl again it is just you have to look at that it, it it comes off very badly because it's like really you pick the one character who has pink armor and is feminine to make a girl really that just seems to scream that you are deciding oh he's my, he's the closest thing to a girl when he's not he's a boy you know and I am not somebody who is ever you know if they had been like 
it's trans shoon i'd been like perfect great let's do it fine sounds good but it's not <laughs> Not only that, like, you have to also think about, you have to think about, like, at the beginning of the show, there was quite a few Bronze Saints when they were doing the Galaxian War, you know, battle and all of that. But only three other people decided to go with Seiya. Only three other Bronze Saints were brave enough to go with him and team up with him. And everybody else kind of, like, cowered to the background. And Shun was one of them. So, yeah, he's effeminate. Yeah, he's sensitive. And, I mean, it, it, it being his brother probably had something to do with it, but he was still brave enough to be like, you know what, this may be a suicide mission, but let's do it. Like, let's let's at least try, you know, to go in there and defeat the most powerful at the time, Bronze Saint, and and get the, you know, get the armor. And so it, it's not, like, it. him being effeminate doesn't have anything to do with the strength. It doesn't have anything to do with his bravery. It's one, just like, just like any person that's queer, LGBT, however you want to phrase it, that's one aspect of who they are. And it's usually not even a major aspect of who they are. Like there are other personality traits in there. And it just, it was treated as not a big deal. Like if, if Shun wants to, you know, use his body heat to warm up yoga in the most homoerotic scene that I've seen in an eighties anime, I mean, more power to him and nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I, I felt similar. Like, I, my friend and I, who watched it with me, we would make jokes, actually. We're like, this is Shun, pre-transition. Shun is going to be a boy soon. This is pre-transition Shun. <laughs> I was, was, was going to say, I was trying to keep my mouth shut on this issue, but, like, one of the things I, I've been saying is that they should have made him, like, a, a gender. Like, there's, like, no definitive gender to him. That, that would have been a lot better for me. Yeah, that would have, I thought that would have been nice. But I mean, like, yeah, I, it just, it reminds me a lot of like when we were kids and um, like Power Rangers, they would change the gender of characters all the time, but it was these like almost genderless forms in spandex with like motorcycle helmets on. So like, except for the pink one, which is almost universally considered a, like a girl, female color, the rest of them could have been any gender. Like... I grew up because of Power Rangers thinking yellow is a girl color because the yellow ranger was always a girl. But like with with this it's like his it, it, Shun's face isn't covered. It's he's very clearly said to be a male. He you kept him as a male and your your dub that your companion dub that you did. It just felt like such a weird choice. Like it it felt it it felt out of place it felt weird like name changes i'm fine with like a lot like westernizing things i'm completely fine with because not everybody is as not everybody's going to go out and be like that you know that ritual they just did was really weird and like google it like me and like look at like go into a deep dive rabbit hole on like shinto beliefs and like all the different things that they do that's not outright said in like sailor moon or whatever but like it, I, it's so I can understand needing to westernize some of the stuff, but that it just felt like a purposeful, weird, poor decision. <laughs> season, season two transitions.
Amazing. Perfect. I, I No, keep it. Keep it. Keep with it. I, I guess this would be a good time for us to transition into the actual episodes. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's No, it's it, and it's because like you know I, I think like we're talking about so many different things like you know it's just because our this is our first time interacting I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are like we're we're like I'm really happy this is, this is working it's just like you know like like we gotta we gotta move on I'm sorry so I uh, like we can we can keep we can discuss we can we can discuss these in, another, in further episodes if you guys so wish because like one of the things I did want to address was like you know LBG LBG Q plus uh, um, stuff in Saint Seiya in a future episode. So we'll like that. So that's so we can have like a more broader discussion about that type of thing. Even though I'm not um, um, LGBTQ, I'm, I'm straight. Unfortunately, I am an ally, and I do understand. And but you know, and but you know, it's one of the things where it's like you know, it's a, it's a fascinating discussion to have about like these type of things. So I think we should like I think we should keep these opinions for another episode. I'm. Fine with that. Sounds good. I'm always down to talk about queer theory with Saint Zaya. Can we can we please save it for for the the gay hug episode? I need it on the gay hug episode. Oh my gosh! Yes, that'd be perfect. But like I said, like 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not like knocking you guys down or anything like that. It's just beautiful. You guys are like are like having these discussions. I'm loving it. It's just the thing is, it's like this this is way better if we had like a, a, like its own discussion about it. Like this would be a perfect like. So I guess like now would be a good time for us to like um, just to, just to talk about the episodes in question that we were talking about. It was it episodes thirty two to thirty six? Well, I had to watch a little bit more because I, I completely forgot a few episodes. So like I was watching like I had to watch a little bit more because I was like, okay, what happened in the last episode? Oh, okay, that's what happened. So I had to like go out to go. So I actually watched like two more episodes than I should. So like I gave, so like usually you. You know, I used to say six because that, that was like what those when the Saint Seiya CGI show was on. That's that's like the that was like the block of episodes. It was a six episode, so I figured six episodes would be good. But you know, I think four episodes. I think between the four of us, uh, it was actually five. I realized thirty two through thirty six was five episodes. This is why math is not my strong suit. <laughs> no, it's all good. I just realized that I'm like, wait a second, but it's all good. I mean, it was a good. It was a good stopping point. I feel like no, it was a perfect collection. It was just enough. Yeah, because we got to, we got to see a lot of things in these group of episodes. We got to see we got to go back to Death Queen's Island. We got to see Django and and his Black Saints, and also we got to see um, Oro and Oh go, Oh go. I got really I got really weirded out um, because I know that there was like I remember there being a lot of fights without their armor on because you know it it's a like a shonen fight like type of anime but i didn't realize how many of the villains were such cowards that they like the um i can't think of his name i'm blanking on his name the the guy that was the silver saint that was fighting against uh saya uh on top of the mountain was the crow guy that was jamin yeah like he did not give any craps that say it did not have his armor and then was like berating him saying that he wasn't impressed with him or anything and i'm just like dude he he's not even at his full power because he doesn't have his cloth like you're you're like like well i mean and then and then um 
uh, I can't think, I'm so bad with names. I should have been, I should have wrote their names down. Oko was also just like pounding away on, on freaking Shiryu, like blind Shiryu, just pounding away on him. I mean, when he found, like, eventually he stopped. He's like, oh yeah, you're incapacitated. But like, and then Shina, in the last episode that we watched, she's like, I don't give a crap that you literally just came out of the hospital near death. I'm still going to try to murder you. It's like, these, these people just don't care. They're just like, they have no, like, honor, I guess would be the right word to use. They just kept coming for him. Regardless of if they were like even able to fight, that'd be Silver Saints though. That's just Silver Saints. So we got to see a lot of um. So we got to see a lot of him and a lot of, and also a lot of time with, with like him being like young and training with uh, with Doko and Shiryu. So we got to see a lot of that kind of thing as well. And also we got we started we, we finally got this yeah we finally started seeing a little bit more like what's going on in the sanctuary. And like you know, we're slowly, I, I will slowly counter that Oko, like you said, he did not realize at first that Shiryu was um, handicapped. He when he uh, the, he just was assuming that Shiryu was like him. He had spent all this time training. He had actually earned the dragon cloth, and so he came at him thinking that they were on par. When he realized that he and Shiryu were not on the same level because Shiryu was blinded, he fully was like, "Hey, I'm going to step back." We're going to come back and address this. I'm going to be even. I'm going to blindfold myself, even though that has nothing. I'm like, why is this a thing? <laughs> I understand he was trying to dull his senses like him. I'm also just like, but you did not also gouge your own eyes out. There's a whole situation happening. But <laughs> he, he, I will, I will go to bat for Oko because I do love him so much. And he fully was like, hey, I'm going to make this as fair as possible. I appreciate him. Yeah, he he did he did even the playing field there, but like Shina and then Crowman, like uh, Arcane, is that his name? Is it? Yeah, Arcane. I was gonna say I was gonna correct you. It's like Arcane. That's the that's the that's the guy he fought on top of the mountain when when Shale was going for the water of life. Damon is the the crow that that that's that's the crow guy. That's the guy that they fought way before in the last block of episodes. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that we. I think it's further on, but like, but uh, that is good foreshadowing. Like, at, at least they, at least with Shina, they kind of rationalized it with like, she has to kill him, and this is with with Seiya constantly growing, you know, in power and his Cosmo expanding and stuff like this. This might be the only opportunity that she has to kill him now that he can apparently just blink at a silver saint and they implode like he did with Arcane after he got his cloth on. That was the saddest fight of all time. It's just because like five episodes ago, like these silver saints were like pounded them into the ground over and over again. And now they're just like, eh, whatever, get out of here. Like you're annoying. But, um, I, I think that Shina saw that as like her only opportunity, I guess, because he was so rapidly growing in strength. And maybe that's what she decided to do like a more cowardly thing and attack a literal guy with crutches. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it, I forgot. A literal guy with crutches. I love it. Yeah. It, like, well, he was walking around with crutches and then China just like falls out of the trees and starts beating the crap out of him. And I was like, stop it. I, I respect China. I'm like, man, I, I think, yeah, she definitely was like, I, this is my opportunity, but she also, I can't remember if it was addressed in this episode. She was also aware that sh that Saya was about to get his ass pounded to him by an uh, actual gold saint. Like she's like, at least I can take him out and be merciful. The gold saints might not be as kind. Yeah, it didn't. They didn't address that. It's going to be in the next. Yeah. But it's just like as as far as the context that we know in this episode, 
and then with Arcane, uh, Arachne or Arcane, have you say his name, like, they, it, it just seems like the Silver Saints, there's, it seems like there's a reason why people don't like the Silver Saints as much. Uh, outside of Misty, I really don't remember many of them, because Misty was just so iconically, like, you know, <laughs> naked. <laughs> I was gonna say something else, but naked works. Oh, that, that was a fun time. That was a, like, I, I don't know why my mom keeps on coming in the weirdest times when I was younger. <laughs> well, I mean, like, to be fair, Saint Seiya has a lot of male nudity. And I mean, it's because, you know, most of its characters are male. But there's but there's plenty of opportunities for them to show the female characters and compromising situations. But they just kept showing Shun's butt in the shower, like, for the first half of the show. Like, or the first half of the series. Like, it's like, why is Shun showering again? Equality! <laughs> <laughs> and I was gonna say, but we got to see. Well, we got to go both ways. We saw, we saw, we saw Shunray a little bit of it. Yeah, we saw Shunray's butt. <laughs> I forgot about that. My, I guess my gay mind blocked it out. Like, nope, only focus on Shun's butt. I, I, that's so funny. No, th- I think that's the only time though we ever see any kind of female nudity is Shunray's butt. Yeah, because she swims naked in the, in the episode with Oko. Th- that, that's not in the original is what I mean. Like, in the original series. Uh, there, there's the Tenkai Hen at the very end. That's a whole different discussion. I, yeah, that's so, I mean, because then if we want to get into that, then there's like the whole nonsense with Lost Canvas. That's a whole nother discussion because Pandora and, and uh, Shasha had like entire unnecessary I always forget that boobs and legs and things happening. <laughs> I like China. But no, I, I, yeah, the Silver Saints, I, I like, I like a few of the Silver Saints because I do like China. I do like Marin. I uh, <laughs> I also like June, who's considered a silver saint. Actually, is she considered silver? Maybe she's bronze. But um, then there's a couple of the silvers I like. Most of them are kind of like fillery. Like I remember, and then I remember there's Peacock Shiva, which is from the Shaka episode. He was one of Shaka's fanboys. I remember him. I don't remember the name of his best friend. Who, but they were like totally together. Uh, nudie, just uh, just to just to clarify, June is a is a bronze saint. Okay, I figured because I was like, wait a sec, I think she is bronze because the other Andromeda boys are also bronze. Yeah, I just gotta make sure because I, I had to I had to do I had to do my, I had to do some quick Google fool. I had to make sure because I was like, uh, and then yeah, she is bronze. I just am so used to everybody considering only the Japanese bronze to be bronze, but no, she's one of the bronzes. My other big takeaway, though, from from the this batch of episodes is like it, it, it goes back to we were we were kind of talking. It, it might have actually been off before we started recording, um, but just there's like some tropes that this I don't I can't tell you if, if this show started it because uh, some of these tropes go way back, but some of those shonen tropes and one of the tropes is naming your characters like, literal names, like, Shiryu is, like, I think it translates to, like, Purple Dragon, and they're just the the flashback, it cracked me up so bad with, um, when, uh, Oko and Shiryu were both, like, younger, and one of them was gonna be the Dragon Saint, and I'm like, you have Shiryu, Dragon, and Oko, Tiger, I wonder who is gonna have the Dragon Cloth. Like, I wonder who is destined for this dragon cloth. Could it be the kid literally named Dragon? I don't know. It's probably the tiger. Like, it's just, but it's, it's like the suspension of disbelief because it is like, 
a, a younger adult show. It, well, she to you, I yeah, I assume it's like you know anybody whose name Alexander is not going to be a you know person in Rome is not going to be a Caesar. If you name Alfred, you're not going to be a you're not going to be a butler. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it, it was these two kids competing, and one of them was literally named Dragon for the Dragon Cloth, and I'm just like, come on. Come on, Oko. Are you kidding? <laughs> and well, I just find it so funny, because I, I joke, it's such a funny thing for me for it to be Doko, and then Oko, and I'm just like, you just chopped off one letter. <laughs> I do wonder, did, did, did they name him, did they name um, uh, Doko before or after this? That's what that's what I'm wondering. It's like I wonder if it's a chicken or the egg kind of, or they just kind of stumble upon it by accident. And, and Coromado's like, I like that name. I'm gonna put a D on the end of it. I mean, um, you you again. I I feel like I I don't mean to like come for you, and I apologize if it feels like that. But like um, like you you said you assumed that he told them. Why didn't he tell him that that he was planning on Camus being um Yoga's master? And they did this whole weird crystal saint thing. No, Doko had always been, well, he'd been, he was called Roshi. And I believe he was known as Doko before because I can't remember when, because I know that they had started doing the anime during the manga and the manga had a, even now it has a lot of stops and pauses and stuff like that where Kurumata has to stop for whatever reason. And so there's gaps. I don't know if Doko was officially named. I'm assuming he let them know what he planned to name the Libra Saint. I'm assuming he knew from the get go. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Um, believe it or not, there is, there is an answer for that. There is actually an answer for that. Because originally they weren't even sure. No, they were. Um, Kuromata was not was unsure if it was even going to be Camus to start with. The earliest, the earliest, the earliest things was that it was going to be Milo instead of uh, instead, instead of Camus. That still doesn't explain the Crystal Saint. <laughs> no, it does not. Well, Crystal, I think, like I said, I, it might just be that he hadn't decided at that point when they started doing Crystal Saint because they had to have, you know, flashbacks to him training because everybody else had flashbacks at that point <laughs> and they're like we can't yeah and also you got, there, there's, a, there's a lot of weird things as well you got you got, you got, you got to look into as well like the the saint you got to also remember too the same saint that 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 changed, that changed shun in the anime is a very different in the manga uh, he looks one totally different and he his behavior is different because in the in the anime um Alviore is treated as like he's like almost gold saint level. Everybody's like, he is the strongest silver saint. He is super tough. And the way he treats Shun is like he fully acknowledges that Shun was strong the entire time, that Shun was holding himself back and that sort of thing. And in the manga, he was very different. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm going to say that, that a lot of it was like they're on, like, Chromata was on the edge of it, like, you know, making up as he goes, but. Sometimes, sometimes too, I like you know I, I question sometimes if it, like things were, um, it like which like you know if he got influenced by what he saw in the anime. Or- it it possibly is. I know that I yeah Crystal Saint I've never been into because it was because they tried so hard to to retcon it by the time they got to Sanctuary Arc. They tried because in the fight not to get out of the episodes that we're talking about, but in the fight with Yoga and Camus, he is like. 
you are the teacher of my teacher, so you're essentially my teacher, trying to be like, by the way, this is the relationship. And I'm like, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, let's 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 let's, uh, let's 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 go back to like the episodes at hand here. Um, Murray, my my good man. Uh, what, let's let's go back just a little bit more. The 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 Black Saints that they introduced. I know you're a big Black Saints fan. What do you think of those those new Black Saints they introduced? Yeah, they. <laughs> They weren't the the thing that I liked about the Black Saints is they're they were so distinct. I mean, yes, they were carbon copies, the black carbon copies of the main four, which also um, creates another plot hole. Like, how did they know that those were going to be the four that were going to chase them to Death Queen Island? I don't, anyway, let's not get into that. But um, they they were so distinctive, and they had their own personalities, and their armors looked beautiful. These were very obviously foot soldier moots that were just like cannon fodder for a second there. So it didn't feel the same. It didn't it didn't have that same like excitement to it. Like I was momentarily excited. I was like, oh yeah, the Black Saints are back. And it's like, no, they're not. It's just it's more like they're back to be punched in the face quickly and then go away. So like it was it was a it was a nice kind of callback to the beginning of the show, so that we know that they're, especially going back to Death Queen Island. Like this whole arc right here felt like a nice callback to the beginning of the show and transition into the new, as we transition into the new story arc, to where they're making sure that we remember who these characters are at their core, which was really nice to see and and good for character development and growth and stuff like that. But it, like, I just felt like they either should have not had them the black saints there at all or they should have i don't know they they just look generic i guess like they just kind of place placeholder foot soldier people so i mean i was excited but it faded very quickly <laughs> they tried really hard to retroactively correct that but yeah yeah, most of them are like jobbers anyways. I'm pretty sure he's like, no, no, I'm not going to be like those other guys. I'm going to succeed in doing something here. I, I had a question about that because there's one part where the guy, like, Icky is confronting Django and the other foot soldiers and there's like one guy who is like a black phoenix and he's like I'm gonna be the I'm gonna show him that black phoenix is the best of the black saints and I'm like wasn't there like 10 black phoenixes in the original <laughs> like so like for him to be like black phoenix is the best I'm like there's like 20 of you yeah yeah there's a lot of them <laughs> But he's the best one. Well, maybe he killed all the other ones, and it's like the Highlander, and they're going to be one. So, like, he was... <laughs> I guess there could only be one. Yeah, because I wrote that in my notes here. It says, wasn't there, like, ten Black Phoenix Saints in the Black Sank arc? What's going on? <laughs> right. And that's another thing, is, like, with this whole Black Saint arc, how, like, when... Uh, this whole episode, I had so many... I have so many notes. But it talks... But there's the part where um, Saori is like, has like Iki spidey sense, where she's like, oh, something's happening with Iki. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> she's like, I guess she feels a Cosmo. But then she sends the guys to Death Queen Island. And I'm like, what does she tell these pilots and these chauffeurs when they take a bunch of like three to five teenage boys wearing armor to these various places? <laughs> like, does she just wave $100 bills in their face and be like, don't ask? 
in that episode. I don't know if it's in the. I don't know if it's in episode thirty-four, thirty-five, but um, there's a shot, and it's like Death Queen Island is sinking, and here's Sayori on this like nice yacht. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> with her. With her three severely demoted steel saints, which are now just her errand boys. They went from, like, saving them and being so, like, so amazing and cool looking to literally just being her assistants. Like, <laughs> are they going to answer the phone for her, too? <laughs> I know. They're going to, like, set up dinner dates. It's great. I, I I have strong opinions about the steel saints. And, like, they, like I think it's episode 30. It's It's episode 35. Because, again, my, I have notes on here, and all of my notes are like, this is a filler episode. It's the worst. Oh, no. Why are we here? Why are the Steel Saints here? Why? No, I don't care. It's just like, I, 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 know, I know people have a lot of love for the Steel Saints, and when they first came out, they were, they were kind of fun and cool and great. But they quickly turned into like, okay, you, you needed somebody else in this scene for Sauri to talk to, and so you threw in a Steel Saint. Oh yeah, and it was it was it was a it, it, like I was like a, a big toy collector, so like I kind of see I saw like I saw like that um that I saw it was, like, it was a trend in Japan for for them to do all that kind of thing like just mecha mecha or uh, mecha Jason kind of thing. That's that that that's a, I think that's a good um that's a good way to describe what they were trying to do with it. And um yeah, I mean that that's what it was. They were like, yo, we need to sell toys like now. I, my my main gripe with the Steel Saints um, is not necessarily that they fade so quickly like we saw in this batch of episodes. Like they they literally we only see one of the I there there's such a flash in the pan. I don't even remember which one of them actually put his cloth on in the last episode that we watched. One of them did to come and help out. Um, but other than that, like, none of them, like, like they, they never really transform all that much anymore, and they kind of fade the background. But my problem is that it kind of muddies the hierarchy that they were trying to set up. Like, bronze is the bottom, then there's silver, and then there's gold. And we already have several questionable, like, where do the black saints fit in on that, that tier list? Are they bronze saints? Are they their own category that's either above or beneath the bronze saints? Then we have several of these other saints before they started specifically saying silver saints. It's like, are they bronze saints, or are they, like, some random weird classification? Like, who are these people? Like, there's, like, the, the yeah, I was about, that's exactly who I was about to bring up, like... So it, I feel like they just kind of muddy that hierarchy even more, and so like it, their their existence bothers me, like in that sense. But as far as characters, especially how they functioned in this group of episodes, like they were, it, it's so sad because I remember watching on Cartoon Network their how they like debuted and like saved the day and were so cool and had these really, quite frankly, neat concepts where they have like the vehicles and all and they, they just seemed really interesting and then what nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing yeah well the, the the history of the steel saints in the context of the show is it's kind of interesting but also kind of hilarious because um if what i read is correct when when they pitched Saint Seiya for a show, they were like, "Hey, we want to have the show where you know it's it's a shonen show. It's kind of like a Sentai show." And they're like, "Okay, cool. What toys can we make out of it?" And they're like, "Oh, don't worry. We'll definitely have toys that can be made out of this show." 
And then like, eventually they're like, Hey, no, really we need to sell toys. And so they made the steel saints to be like transformer toys because that was what was really popular at the time. Because figures like we have now is not as popular back then. It was all about the transformers. And so for, I love that thing. I love it. I love that thing so much. I saw the commercial for that not long ago, and it was just ridiculous. And I love it, and I want it. <laughs> yeah, because they had to. Because they had to have money coming in. Because it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of money with advertising. They're like, we need to sell toys to keep making the show, and so they're like, oh, okay, Steel Saints. But then, <laughs> I, I believe too, and I believe too, like one of the main sponsors was Bandai. So like, it was like. You know, they were giving, they were, they were, they were, so they had to like they were whipping and they were whipping the the the, 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 the Ruby Kuromata and I'm pretty sure all the characters are to make something anything they can they can put as a toy even if you had to sell if you had to sell a laser a, a, a quote unquote laser gun that looks like Seiya's fist and you have to like that you launch it like a Pegasus Rail Seiken and they make it they make it laser tag exactly it was Bandai so basically if if you're listening closely enough. And you want to sell somebody? I'm the most vulnerable to advertisements, apparently, because I thought they were cool when I was a kid. So, if you need to sell stuff, then target me. <laughs> I I know one of the soul singles <laughs> Steel Saint fans. So, like, I, I guess for me, like my, my thoughts on the source on the on the Steel Saint is that I even even as a kid, I was like, what's going on here? Like, I knew it was like, are you trying to sell me toys here? I just wish that they would do more budget releases, like the the Bam Presto ones. I would love to have, like, if they did the Silver Saints in like those Bam Presto statues, I'm I'm not heartbeat. But it, it's it when you get to these more niche characters, and the Steel Saints are incredibly niche. Um, when you get to these more niche characters, the really your only option most of the time is the like super expensive like cloth EX you know releases that are a hundred plus dollars and it just it kind of stinks like i mean i'm not a fan of them so i i but i can imagine out there there's somebody that's you know one of the steel saints or maybe the trio as a whole yeah like i'm sure somebody out there like that that's their like absolute favorite character or trio or whatever and they go to look for for merchandise on all and it's like okay you have to pay a little bit over a grand if you want all three of them. That's like, nope. <laughs> Shut that down. Yeah, 
So I mean, I get that. I, I get that they were there, there to sell toys. It's just very, um, kind of like Ramsey was, was saying, it's very ironic that they were there to sell toys, but people didn't like them, and there's not a lot of toys of them. <laughs> so, like, in the in the broader scheme of things. Here's the thing, if I wasn't even cold, and they, and they have those figures right now, I'd buy them. I make no shame in I make no shame in that. I make absolutely zero shame in saying, if if the same thing was made in 2021 and they had all the same elements like bringing the steel, the steel saints, I'd be like, I don't like them, but those look so cool. I'm gonna buy at least the toys. Oh, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Mexico skipped a lot, skipped out on a lot of the saints. We didn't get a lot of we, we got we got most of the saints. Steel saints, we never got them. Not like I I. No, I, not my favorite characters. They look cool. I would love to have them on my shelves if they were reasonably priced, but they're not. So they're just altogether forgettable. Kind of like this whole arc, unfortunately, is a little bit forgettable in my opinion because it, because in hindsight, like if if we were kids in the eighties watching this, it might not be as forgettable because we, unless we're reading the manga, we wouldn't know what's coming next. But in hindsight now, to be rewatching it, you just want the gold saint art to be there. You want this section to be done and over with. So you can see Seiya get his fucking... Sorry. So you can see Seiya get his butt destroyed by Taurus. Like, you want to skip to that. You want to get there. Get it started. But... Yeah. I mean, I like parts of this arc because I do love Oko. I I have many, many notes about how much I love Oko because he was a filler character, but I felt like he fit into the narrative of the whole show because it kind of, he kind of reminds me in a way of like a predecessor to the later stuff with Hyoga and Isaac, where he was... A, another trainee happening at the same time. He was similar age, but very different, very different uh, personality. He, I liked Oko a lot. And I liked how he, again, like I said earlier, I feel like he was a bit more honorable. He's like, oh, Shiri is blind. Well, I'm going to play fair. And <laughs> I also, I don't know. I just love him to death. I think he's great. One of the things that, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, the point is that he's. I mean, this arc has a lot of good side characters, but unfortunately, since it since people see this as kind of a drag sometimes to get to the gold saint arc, it gets overlooked. But I don't think like I mean, just like Nuri was saying, I don't think that anybody should overlook Oko. He is a really good character. I really like seeing the these other people that were so close. Which Oko wasn't necessarily so close, but like some of these other trainees that were so close to getting the cloth and then failed, and like they're having to go on with their lives with with that loss, and a lot of times confronting the person that did get the cloth, like like in this case with Shiryu. Um, I like seeing that. I like having more characters that aren't saints but are still can still hold their own in battle. That's pretty cool because most of the most of the civilian characters that we come across are um, like 
fill more of the damsel in, dis- in distress role or just like a non-combatant like side role that doesn't get involved too much. So it's really cool to see this person who doesn't have a cloth and is just channeling Cosmo on his own basically go head to head with Shiryu. And of course Shiryu was was, you know, handicapped by being blind, but it was still a really cool fight especially for something that's essentially a filler episode like i know technically we're building shitty's character and, and developing um like trying really trying to hammer home that he's blind only for him to be cured super quickly after but still somehow as i say but still somehow him being blind is like his iconic character trait so that has brought it on back <laughs> but, but um yeah, it's like, we cure his blindness too fast. Dang, I guess we got to do it again. People really seem to like that for whatever reason. Yeah, um, but I, I honestly forgot that he got his sight back because he's just so iconically like the blind character. I forgot that he got his sight back for a while, to be honest with you. So when when say it was climbing that mountain to get the, the water, I was like, oh yeah, this, like... It's, it's going to be like a wild goose chase. And then, in, like, in the next episode preview, it's like, yeah, they're going to give it to him, and he gets side back. I'm like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> well, like, he... I, I don't think he gets it back. I think it doesn't work. Because he gets it back in Cancer Temple. I thought it... Oh, I thought he got it back with the... Oh, maybe maybe it did last longer than I thought it did. Yeah, then he, then he loses it again, quote-unquote. Like, if we're going by the manga, he loses it permanently when he's, when he's in, when he's in, um, when he's in the Seven Sea Saga. Mm-hmm. My bad. I, I, for some reason, I, I thought in the next episode preview it said that he got a side back, unless it was like a, like a bait-and-switch moment. No, it does. He only get he gets it back in cancer. It's it's a bait. It's it's definitely a red herring because they're like they're going to cure Shiria with the magic water, and then it's like no, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, yeah, it doesn't work. Saya, why did you go ask Moo? What is Moo gonna do? I, he's like, because I again, he's just like, oh, I'm gonna ask Moo because he had he was able to fix our armor. I'm like, okay, so he's a smith. That has nothing to do with your eyes. What are you gonna do? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna like wax some pair of eyes. Not only that, but like, he, Boo wasn't even there, so he took advice from Kiki. Like, don't take advice from Kiki. It's, listen, I love Kiki. I would not trust Kiki with shit. Exactly. He's, he's a little gremlin, but like, he's a normal little gremlin, but I wouldn't trust him with my life. I mean, when he's, I mean, to be fair, later on, Kiki does prove himself to be quite the tough little guy, and I love him, and then Omega, he gets the Ares cloth, which he deserved, but he's, he's like seven. I'm not going to trust a seven-year-old to tell me how to fix my friend who gouged out his optical nerve. Yeah, especially, especially when it's like a task that will probably kill you and has killed like tons of other people. There's like dead bodies litter in the road. It's like... Maybe I shouldn't trust a little kid telling me to go on a suicide run. Like maybe I shouldn't. I think I I I would, I would be like I, I would push people like yeah maybe people got killed while they're going the way up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what? Should we be blind for a little bit longer? You know they say that when you're blind, the rest of your senses go into hyperdrive. You'll be you'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. Shiryu, have we really explored all of our options? 
And I, I assure you, I assure you, I know you want to see, you know, you know, boobies, but touch film is just as good. I promise. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that scene. So speaking of, we had talked about tropes earlier in anime and like, of course it's the whole like, no peeking, ha ha but it's like the worst time for Shunrei to make that joke because Shidi was immediately like. Because he's blind, and then immediately afterwards, he's just like, unfortunately, that won't be a problem. I'm like, Shiryu, that's a crime! <laughs> Shiryu, you're like 14! Yes, I got so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point! Well, I, I, it, there was also a part where, like, um, he said, it might have just been the translation, like, might have been just the, what the translator decided to translate it as, but, like, Oko said something to him, and he said, I see, and I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you, you very much don't see that. Uh, but yeah, it was, this was, this was a, a fun, oh, I was just gonna say, this was a fun set of episodes, mostly because we started the first episode with, say, in the hospital, and we ended the last episode with, say, right back in the hospital, right back in the hospital bed. It's full circle, baby. Yeah, all the way around. And one, one of the things, that's one of the things I was He literally throw himself at the wall. Say his hospital bills must have been ridiculous. That's why he had to be friends with Saori. He just needed her to be able to pay for it. Luckily, Japan has universal health care. It feels like a really nice contrast to her at the beginning of the series, where she was a little bit more stereotypical, a little bit more whiny, and like non not understanding. But like she grew as a character, and now she understands like. She gave him that option to like retire to the countryside with her, knowing that he wasn't gonna do it. Like she she wanted him to know that she'd be there no matter what, but she wasn't going to like pitch a fit if he wanted to keep fighting. But because she knew that he was gonna choose that. So it was some nice character development. I feel like she's a character that we don't see enough of, but when we do, like they really hammer home that she's like growing as a human being, like most people do when they're in their like mid to late teens, um, become actual people instead of like carbon copies of like your parents or just like you know, whatever. Like, however, the world is shaped, you start coming out to be your own person when you're in your late teens, which is probably why it's so popular in anime. But, um, but yeah, she she gets some nice character development, and it's something that's underappreciated because she like like I said, we don't see her a ton, so she's not. I mean, may, maybe for you because you really like her, but for me, she's not the first person I think of when you say, "Yeah, the anime Saint Sia Shinrei." Like, no, <laughs> but but <laughs> but uh, it's what's so funny because we were talking about how Oko is a good side character. I also feel like the episodes. 33 and 34, which had the Oko episodes, were really good Shunrei episodes. Again, I love Shunrei so much. I I really appreciate that when Shiryu is like so down and he's just like, I give up and you should just give up on me, Shunrei, and move on. She's just like, stop being such a baby. Get over it. Like She's like, you can't change what happened. You decided to risk your life to throw away your sight for your friends. You need to live with the consequences. 
like it sucks and I'm I'm here to support you no matter what but you need to stop wallowing I really appreciate that she very much was like hey you know stop being so negative stop wallowing in your regret if you made this decision then you need to stand by it um I know one of the one of the things I noticed watching these particular five episodes in isolation was the weird contrast well I I don't know if it was purposeful but I it definitely stuck out to me um because you were talking about Shiryu having this family unit with Shinrei and um his his master Doko and all of that who's Roshi I think is what he's known as currently um yeah, so um, he has sort of his family unit, and it's stable, and it, it allows him to grow up and be a bit more kind-hearted, whereas in the first episode that we watched, with which was about Iki's backstory, it was a very similar thing. It was, you know, his teacher and then a young girl that was his companion, but it was wildly different because the teacher was highly abusive, and the girl ends up, you know, unfortunately getting killed, and... It just it's like this weird contrast of they have the same setup, but how differently well not the same setup, but they have the same like structure to their training, um, in like a homes, quote unquote. But because Ickes was so tumultuous and uh, and his companion died, he didn't have that rock there, he kind of delved into more of the anger, whereas Shiryu was able to continue in this like, he had hard training, and Roshi was hard on him, of course, but he was in a more loving environment, and so he grew up to be more zen and more calm and, and less, um, less you know, angry and that kind of... It was just... A, it, it's just me putting my two cents out there, but I thought it was a very strange and interesting, um, like, foil that they did, especially having those back-to-back like that. No, no, I, she's not the first person I think of either, but I think that in terms of just in general, like, again, she is she's a supporting role. That's her job is a supporting role. But she's, like I said earlier, she plays a supporting role that I feel is just as valuable as any of the fighters because she like you said she tells she to you hey you don't have to do this you can retire you and me can build a life here and be happy if that's what you want i'm not going to force you but that's an option because i feel like a, a lot of the saints a lot especially the bronzes who were taken in by keto and everything like that are basically forced to becoming saints because they have no choice <laughs> you know like it's so funny i'm speaking of that because in the first episode iki is talking about when he goes back to death queen island he makes a line that says this is like my second home except i have no fond memories of it i'm like iki you were abused orphan do you have memories of your first home (laughs) like what do you mean that you gotta also remember too like like like, just before you left that tatsumi decided to smack him around a few times yeah, like, you don't have fond memories of any of your homes, it doesn't seem like, other than the ones that apparently with your parents that died. <laughs> so it's all sad. But, you know, with, with Shiryu, I, I feel like he is the one that has, he, he's most the most grounded of them, because he has a quote-unquote family outside of being a saint. Even though Doko is the Libra saint, even though Doko is training him to be the dragon saint to take on this role. He still feels at times more like a 
familiar, familial figure than, say, you know, with Iki and Guilty or even uh, Shun and his teacher was not necessarily like a family unit, even though I feel like if because I don't know if either of you have read any of the episode G manga, but in one of the episodes in um, episode G Assassin, which is about Shura, there's a scene where Camus talks to a girl that this is again spoilers. Hyoga adopts a girl, a, a child in episode G and Camus comes back from the dead and he meets her and he calls her. He's like, you can call me grandpa. So he sees himself as Hyoga's father, even though they're like, he's like a teen dad because he was like 14 when Hyoga went to go train in Siberia. So, but Shiryu, I'm going back to Shiryu. He has Shunrei and Doko and they kind of have a more quiet reserved family unit where it's not always training every day versus the others, which I feel like were much more intense not saying that Shiryu didn't train as hard, but I feel like he was able to have a life outside of that with someone like Shunrei, who isn't a fighter. With Hyoga, he and Isaac were both fighters. With, you know, Seiya, he was in Sanctuary, surrounded by other people fighting. Same with Shun and Andromeda Island. So he has a more grounded role which I think is why he's the more mature, more calm, composed of the main team. So I, I like Shunrei's role because she provides him this option of like, hey, you can have a, another choice that I feel like the other bronzes don't feel like they have because they don't have a home to go to. Seiya's still looking for Seika. He's not going to go. He's not going to quit when he still hasn't found her. Shun doesn't have Andromeda Island to go back to. He can't. That's not his home. You know, technically Hyoga could go back to Siberia to be with his dead mom, I guess. But <laughs> there's no one there for him. And also that the 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 power and the violence has a time and a place. It's not for everything because that's that was one of the main reasons why he wasn't as fond of Oko because Oko was out, you know, beating kids up and showing off his strength to everybody and being a showboat. And that's, it was more for, for Doko. It's more like you use it when you have to use it. It's not, it's not something to, to be prideful in. It's something that you use as a necessity. And I, and that's completely different from how Iki was trained where Iki is trained to just go full force, nonstop, every day, all the time, no matter who it is. Even if it's your own daughter, just, you know, kick her in the face and kill her or whatever. <laughs> kill your own daughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if your family's bringing you down, get rid of them. Like, you don't, you don't need them. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking that when you mentioned that, because that's a good point. I, I've never really thought of it that way before, which I think is kind of fascinating because I love the dynamic between Iki and Shiryu. I think that they have a very cool dynamic. It's actually touched on in the episode where before um, Seiya, well, after they come back from Death Queen Island, and, you know, Seiya's like, we gotta wait for Shiryu, we, we gotta wait for Shiryu, and Iki's like, no, he's blind, he's gonna hold you back, like, and Saori meant, you know, because everybody's like, oh, Iki's just being a jerk, he's just being a dick, but Saori's like, no, he cares about Shiryu a lot, he just isn't showing it the same way, 
And I think that is reflected in what you were saying, the way he grew up, he did not grow up learning to convey his emotions in a healthy way. He was told that the only valuable emotion is anger and hate because that contributed to his strength as the Phoenix Saint versus Shiryu grew up with, you know, Doko who didn't encourage him to be violent. He was like, you know, you have to be strong. You have to learn how to control the flow of the water, which was very much more, I think, could reflect on how he controls his emotions. He has to think about how to direct those feelings. And so- mm-hmm. I, whether they intended it or not, it was it still made for really interesting like storytelling that you can either choose to just accept it as like a somewhat filler episode, or you can actually see it as world building and character building and set up for future scenes and interactions and things that, that kind of explain why that character thinks that way. And the, the whole interaction with Sayori where she tries to let, like explain to say that not everybody processes their emotions the same way. Like he was, by saying he should leave Shiryu behind, he was being rude about it, but it was his way of saying Shiryu's going to die if he goes with us, and we I don't want him to die. Like, But but to say it, all Saya was hearing is Shiryu's weak and he's crap and you should abandon him. And But but what Iki was trying to say is that I don't want him to die. Like He doesn't deserve to die right now, and he's too weak to fight, so just leave him behind. Like Let's keep going and keep pushing forward. But, you know say his power of friendship won't let that happen (laughs) no totally like that they're they're very much foils i think and i again i'm somebody who loves their dynamic to bits and so i think that's something i really didn't consider which i think is very i would love to i wish they would explore that more that's a good point that they're that the setup is similar where it has the teacher has you know the student and then it has the female companion in some way or another because and and you know with Iki and Esmeralda again it was she was she had said that like they mentioned it in the in the episode where she's like oh the world is full of such pretty things and not everywhere is like Death Queen Island and Iki was and then at the end of the episode Iki's like yeah you're right not everywhere is so dark and gloomy and stuff like that and or you know full of violence and things and with Shunrei and you know on the other hand with her it's like not everything you don't have to be a saint you don't have to do this there are other options other avenues for you to live your life and still live a fulfilling life so i think it's really an interesting way to contrast the two and i don't think that they intended for those two episodes to be back to back and fit each other so well but it 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 did work out that way Well, because Seiya, it's so funny, because Hyoga has the same thing where, you know, there's a line Hyoga says when Seiya's in the hospital. He's like, oh, Seiya's stubbornness won't let him die. I'm like, Hyoga, stubbornness is not going to stop eternal bleeding. <laughs> like, and, and so I think that it just shows how immature, I think, 
like even Seiya and Hyoga both because they're both like, oh no, we can all do it. We can go do it. But Shun and Iki are both like, no, leave Shiryu alone. <laughs> He's done enough. He's done enough. Let him go. Seiya just, Seiya wants everybody to do their best. And sometimes he doesn't realize that people need to find their own way to do their best. And this is a really good example where Shiryu was like at a pivotal point to where he was basically deciding if he was going to continue being a warrior or not, because he needed to find out, is this too crippling for me that I can't fight anymore? But in Seiya's mind, he had already made that decision for Shiryu, essentially. Like, no, this isn't the end. This isn't going to ruin you. We're, we're going to keep going. We're going to fix it. But that wasn't his decision to make. And I think that's kind of what the entire situation boiled down to, is that Seiya had already made it up in his mind that Shiryu wasn't going to give up. But Shiryu was not sure yet. <laughs> well, Shiryu also had to regain his own confidence. Because Seiya's confidence rarely is ever shook, is ever shaken, which I think is a credit to his character. I don't think Seiya, I mean, he does stupid things, believe me. And I, I tease, and I joke, and I, um, I joke around with how he and he has one brain cell that he shares with Shiryu, <laughs> and Shiryu holds it most of the time. But the, he is a, a very honest and genuine person who, like you said, he wants everybody to do their best and he thinks everybody is as gung-ho and ready to throw themselves into the next fray as he is. And it's like, he, he Shiryu had no confidence because he lost something that was very important to him. He had very much built his identity as a saint. And so it was it took him a while to figure out if he could be a saint still and he can he can be a saint and be blind he learned that but he had to develop that on his own well, anyways. anyways if you're asking about what I think I think there, there's a lot of things in this episode like, I, I mentioned it before and I mentioned this again and I mentioned this to you guys too like, when you're a kid and you're watching these day by day do you think these episodes are a lot longer than they really are because like, sometimes like, when I was watching these when I was like, a little kid when I was like watching these why would this why would these like arcs end? But no, like like I like I could have sworn that there were like five episodes the five episode blocks, but no, it was like two episodes. And you get a lot in two episodes, and I guess that's why it felt longer. Because you're getting so much put into it in two episodes that you really don't feel it at when you're more when you're an adult or you finally have a little bit of understanding of like how pacing and like writing works a little bit better. So when you start to watch those as a Later, when we get to stuff like Asgard, and we get to see like the god, we get to 
how like they're not necessarily evil. They're just taking orders from like from some of the people possessed. But they also like have their own backstory as like why they're doing this and why they're why they have a lot of like um, why why they why they chose a lot of like decisions and stuff like that. So it's a good like precursor to stuff that we can see a lot later that I think is afflicted that is just as important as not being evil. Um, my closing thought would be anybody listening to this. Um, I know that there's a lot of guides out there. I haven't seen one specifically for Saint Seiya, but they're, they exist for pretty much any anime. It's like, what episodes can you skip and, and still, you know, what what episodes are just filler and you can skip them? I, I don't know if these episodes will be on there or not, but I would really say don't skip them because these really, though, though they can be kind of a trudge to get through some of these, like, extended um, flashbacks with really weird character models where they like they couldn't decide how young they wanted these characters to be in the moment so they just look kind of awkward um just just get through them and and pay attention because this kind of sets in stone how these characters are going to interact as a group because up and up until now you know the group's been kind of fractured and, and and through the gold saint arc it'll continue to be fractured because that's just the nature of it but they it shows you how they are going to react to each other and how the like why they're acting the way that they're acting because it's their backstory and um i just think that they're a good chunk of episodes to really get you into the motivation of a character while not being overly plot heavy at the same time so i I just don't skip them. A lot of people say skip straight to the Gold Saint arc. Please just watch the Silver Saint arc. It's not that bad, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree. My my final thoughts are, I, I do complain about the Steel Saint arc. I do complain about, why do we have to go get this water for nothing to happen? But, <laughs> I like like it was said, like KDF said, it's very much a very... very good setup where you get to learn how these characters interact not only with each other in a group but how they interact with others like again you see how Shiryu reacts with Oko because he reacts to Oko in a very different way than he reacts to the others because he's kind of brash and like hey no I'm gonna fight you have to fight me don't Shunrei don't tell him that I'm blind because I want him to treat me the same that he always treated me and so, you know, and then same with Iki, you get to see how he develops when he has this moment where he realizes that the world's not as bad as it, he thought it was when he first was on Death Queen Island. And it, it's a good setup for what's to come because you get to take a breather <laughs> to get ready for some really intense stuff that's going to be coming down because it, it, we get into the, the beginning of Sanctuary. There's some some scenes that were weird because the stuff that never comes up again, like Saga being able to control a volcano, but it's fine. <laughs> don't ask. Don't worry. Just watch it. Enjoy. <laughs> don't think about his magic wand or the fact that he had skull motifs everywhere and nobody was suspicious. I, I also, Saori being able to like teleport them in like colored orbs does that happen again i don't remember that ever happening again. she she glended the good witch them because she, she just she literally just teleports them magically off of death queen island yeah she just she she basically queen serenity the serenity them into you know the sky and those little bubbles
There's some of that are evil. We'll get when we get to the gold saints. We'll get, we get into the ones who are pretty evil. It's a lot of the gold saints are like that too. They're they're not evil. They're just following the pope's orders. You know, he they they don't think twice if the pope tells them to do something. And there's this narrative that you know Sayori is a heretic and all of this kind of stuff. So they're not evil. They're just trying to well. Not all of them are evil. <laughs> they're just trying to protect, you know, sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, I mean, not all of them are evil. But yeah, I... Good, good group of episodes. Good first outing together, I feel like. I, I think we did pretty good. <laughs> um, well, if you want to hear more of my St. Seiya opinions and or just in any of my other general opinions. I am Neri Hayu on Twitter. I am also Neri Curry on Tumblr. <laughs> I post on Tumblr pretty infrequently, but I am on Twitter a lot. So feel free to add me there and do whatever. and We can talk about St. Seiya. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, I'm I mainly focus on the Twitter sphere. Um, I'm technically on Instagram, but it's been... A while since I posted there, but I am uh, at Common Writer Furry. Uh, that's K A M E N Writer Furry on um, Twitter. I also have my own upcoming podcast that's coming out relatively soon. It got really set back by some computer issues and some sickness issues and things like that. So it's going to be a little bit in the future, but you can go ahead and start following me at Ancient Anime Pod um, on Twitter as well to kind of get the hype train going for that. But other than that, yeah, that's that's where you can find me, and um, I post a lot of sarcastic opinions that I typically are bad, poorly received, so hopefully you'll receive them a lot better than some of the current people.
And I'm Kara. I'm Neri. Bye. Bye. Caballeros, el Zodiaco, cuando lanza su ataque, el Zoran no cuenta su canción, la canción de los héroes. Caballeros, el Zodiaco.